You're listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray the message will encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now, let's tune in. Well, God is good, yes. I want to say good morning to the church of Jesus Christ, the living, breathing body of Christ that functions as the hands and feet. Uh, I have a challenge for you today. Uh, we have an opportunity. Uh, Mayor Witten called yesterday, and he said, would Hope City uh, be interested in helping us uh, get some supplies down to um, Fort Myers and uh, those areas that were destroyed um, by Hurricane um, Ian? And I said, of course. I mean, anytime people need us, we want to be there. Aren't you grateful that we are a place of hope? Aren't you grateful when the city needs hope, they know where to look? Praise God. And it's not the Hope City, it's to every church. We are the hope, the light of the world. Amen. Uh, and I just appreciate the mayor. I appreciate the city council. Of course, we got Councilman Hayes here. What a blessing he is to our city. And um, today, I just want to ask that if you'd be willing, right after church today, Wendy and I are going to go out there and we're going to be hanging out. Uh, uh, it's right beside the city hall building which is a block off Main Street to the west. Um, if you would be willing to participate, this morning I went to Walmart and you can buy 40 bottles of water for five bucks. If you don't have it, I've been there, don't worry about it. Let us carry it this time. But if you can, if you can be a part, go get, I mean, a bag of diapers, go get some wet wipes, go get something. Can I tell you, when I was talking to the mayor about water, it was one thing, but when he said diapers, man, it just, mm. It got me. Have you ever been in a place where you couldn't provide for your babies what they needed? And that's horrible. But there's people that are living that out right now. And so they're waiting on you and I to do our part. And so let's be faithful to be the hands and feet of Christ. If you can do something great, if you can't, praise God. I know God will bless you where you can next time. And uh, I just want to continue to be a blessing, uh, not just our city, but to uh, the whole state. And uh, I love the the hashtag that the governor put out, just Florida strong, man. Just uh, when, when they're weak, we can be strong. And, you know, a lot of those spaghetti models uh, look like it was coming toward us for a while. So, you know, the wild thing is we could be waiting on this truck right now. Uh, but I can tell you, I'm, I'm grateful that God has put us on the, on the end to be the, uh, the providers of his goodness. And so let's be faithful in that. Uh, today I'm coming to you from Matthew chapter 20. Uh, verse 1 through 16. We're going to talk about the parable of the landowner. Uh, and before I get started, I want to give you Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. It says, Now I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This kingdom series has been a, a, a six week, today's our sixth week in the series uh, of taking a look at what God's desire for heaven is, but that it's also mirrored here on earth. And it's up to you and I to carry it out in such a way that there is a reflection of heaven on earth. And it's up to you and I to bring that to pass. And so uh, that's Matthew 16, 19. For, the, for today's reading and today's parable, we're going to take a look. Jesus is breaking off knowledge to uh, the disciples. And in Matthew chapter 20, what's interesting is, is if you're reading Matthew chapter 20, uh, and you just read the first 16 verses, you're going to get some great information, but it's also going to be a little bit anemic. 
because he is responding to some questions in chapter 19. Uh, how many know that when you're reading the Bible, uh, God did not ask the Holy Spirit to put it in different books and chapters and verses? Uh, he just inspired people to write and they started writing. It was hundreds of years later, we broke it into chapter and verse. And so if you want to get the fullness of this parable, you've got to reach back into chapter 19. And in essence, what's happening is Jesus had just broke them off this little nugget that it's, 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 it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. And it astounded, the, the scripture says, the New King James says, it astounded uh, the disciples. And they said, well, what about us? <laughs> How? What about us? We've, we've walked away from our families. What will we receive? And so Jesus says, surely I tell you, he said, you're going to have an inheritance. Uh, but he says, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And then we roll over uh, into chapter 20, and it's a continuation of this concept of don't worry, whatever you give up for me, at whatever level, you're going to receive a benefit from it. And in chapter 20, we hear a very um, uh, powerful parable that we're going to break down just for a few minutes today. I, I, uh, I want to honor your time, uh, but I also want you to get this power-packed word today. Uh, Matthew 20, verse 1 through 16, let's read. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner, who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I'll give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. Whatever is right, you'll receive it. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. When the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. It's not, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is it your evil eye because I am good? So the last will be first and the first will be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Man, what a... What a mouthful. That's a lot of verses there. In studying this this past week, um, you cannot go into a comparison without looking into the details. There's so much that you can lose. I love the fact that he's using agriculture. There are so many comparisons with agriculture in the scripture. Uh, this one is especially potent because it talks about 
two things. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down two words, two words. The first word, urgency. The first word is urgency. The second word, favor. This parable speaks of two things that are part of the kingdom. Number one is urgency. Number two is favor. We're going to talk about urgency just for a few minutes. I had the benefit of growing up in South Arkansas, which is mostly agricultural. Uh, my family uh, was not in farming. However, we were in um, um, beef for a while, which is it's farming, but it's more cattle than it is planting. Uh, and what's interesting is that growing up with the benefit of seeing agriculture, you come to understand a lot of the Bible just knowing agriculture. What's interesting this past week studying vineyards is that a vineyard is very similar to other agriculture in that there is a time to plant and there is a time to reap. Uh, there is a time to sow. There's a time to harvest. What's interesting about the grapes that are talked about in this vineyard, this style of grape was to be planted in 99% of these grapes were going to be used in a juice, mash, or a wine, 99%. So for that to be the case, they were to be harvested on a specific day. Now, here's what they don't tell you in this verse, is that to get these grapes, you have got to plant the vine three years and take care of that vine and maintain that vine. And pretty soon it takes on little buds and those buds turn into grapes and those grapes grow. Uh, and when they're fertile, you only know they're fertile by testing the sugar content in the grape. I had no idea it was this detailed. Um, but here's what's interesting. Once that grape is fertile, they will test the grape. When it gets to a certain color, that tips off the, the farmer, uh, the, the vineyard owner, and he will in turn uh, prepare his staff. And he will say, based on the color, we're within the week of harvest. We're a very short amount of time. Go ahead and get the equipment ready. You know, grease all the fittings, put gas in the equipment. Go ahead and start hiring up the people who are going to help us harvest these grapes. So they go out and they begin to harvest uh, a few of the grapes. They begin testing them. And every hour from that point on, they pick one grape and they test the sugar content. That sugar content is in direct correlation to the use of the grape. If the grape is going to be one type of wine, it's got to be picked all within a certain eight-hour period, or the grape shifts and the sugar is no longer usable for that type of wine. If it's going to be used for juice, just regular juice, it has to reach a different level of sugar. And so they're constantly watching the levels of sugar one grape at a time. When a grape hits that level of sugar, chaos ensues at the vineyard. Because now everybody has a limited amount of time to get those grapes off the vine. This is spoken about very vaguely in this text. And the way we know that there's an urgency 
is because he doesn't have enough people to get the grapes off the vine. So he keeps going back to the marketplace to hire more people out of his urgency to get his crop. So here's what's happening. Just stay with me here. They've tested the grape and they say, it's time to harvest. And so they'll, 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 they'll go into town and they'll say, Byron, w- w- would you help me harvest grapes? Uh, today's the day. We're so excited. Would you help me harvest grapes? I'll say, Cam, I need your help. Would you help me harvest grapes? So we would all go start harvesting grapes. And the problem is, is that we, we would start making some accomplishments, but it wouldn't be going fast enough and the urgency would grow. And so we'd go back and we'd say, Sean, please, would you help me just, uh, Russ, please, somebody just help me. Ray, please, would you, uh, if, if I don't get these off the vine soon, they're going to lose their effectiveness. I'm gonna lose my opportunity to get the best return on my investment. Please come help me. And so a few more people would come and then they would realize, oh my gosh, in five hours, We're not even halfway done. I've got to have more people. So he would go out and he would begin to beg people, please, why are you just standing there? Remember, he says, why are you standing here idle? There's something going on that I have to have your help. Please come help me get these grapes off the vine. If you don't, they're going to die right where they are and they won't be useful. They will lose their capability to be beneficial to anybody. Please. Five times the landowner goes back. Each time his level of urgency grows. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard. Except he's not growing grapes. He's going after lost souls. And he knows time is limited. And so he looks and he says, Charles, will you help me? There are people who are dying and they're going to hell, Charles, and you're the only one that know these people. Will you help me? Liz, will you help me? There are people in your circle that they're going to lose their lives. They're going to die never knowing their full potential. If you don't share it with them, please help me. And as life goes on, certain people begin to sign up, but then Now time is of the essence and it's getting more and more urgent every single day. And so he says the kingdom of heaven is like this vineyard and God is like that landowner. And now he's at this place where he's like, somebody please help me. There are people who are dying. You have to understand. They've got to know the truth. Donna, will you help me please? Do you see the urgency now to the parable? There's an urgency to the harvest and the harvest is not grapes, the harvest is souls. And so the parallel that we see is God calling us. And he says this, many are called, few are chosen. And what's interesting, if you know anything about agriculture, you know that when the season comes to harvest, the whole town knows. Everybody knows it's harvest time. But he says, there's going to be select few people that I see them and I see a desire in their heart. And I say, will you do something about this? He says, many are called. A lot of people know the problem. But there's a few that have been chosen to make a difference. Everybody knows there's a need. Can I tell you, everybody in here, I believe if you've been raised in the South, chances are you know about the Bible. 
You just, you're in the Bible Belt. Congratulations, you hit the lottery. But here's the truth. With that understanding also comes a responsibility that you're not just called, that God is looking to choose you to get in the game, to, get, to go be a part of the harvest, to go make a difference. And so for the sake of time, I want, I want to give you just a quick story about how urgent this time really is. Um, Maddie was two years old, uh, and we were at Disney World, and I had her in a stroller, and, um, and I, I'm, I'm, we're walking around in this shop, and Wendy comes up, and she says, where's Maddie? I said, she's right here, and she's gone. And here's, parents, have you ever had that feeling? That not just your beloved is missing, but there's a piece of you gone. That's the only way you can say it. You're just not whole. I began to move furniture in that place. People, I was shoving grown men. I lost my mind. My level of urgency went to zero to 100 that fast. Why? My child was missing. This parable speaks to God understanding his children are disconnected from him. And he will do whatever it takes and he will use whoever is willing to bring his children back into good standing. Just bring them back. Just please help me. Will you help me? Please just, just go find someone who's lost and bring them back to Will you do your part? And if you will, this scripture says that everybody's called. They know the situation. A lot of people know people are lost. But you're chosen to make a difference. You're chosen to make a difference. So today, uh, I want you to know there's an urgency involved in the kingdom. It's not just uh, playing these games. I was talking to Coach Charles this week about how sometimes we feel like church can turn into like this, uh, uh, I don't know, almost like a country club for believers. Where it's just like we just hang out amongst ourselves. I tell you, I reject that 100%. This needs to be an emergency room for the dead and dying. This needs to be a place, man, where the hopeless find hope. This needs to be a place, man, where marriages can be restored. This needs to be a place where the sick can find wholeness. Many are called, but few are chosen. Can I tell you, if you're in this room, you have an opportunity to play a part. You have an opportunity to play a part. The next part of this I see, and I'm going to wrap up with this, is favor. Boy, I could teach on favor for a month. I'm going to give you the nuggets, and I'm going to try my best to put it together for you. Let me, let me start with a story. That'll help set it up. Maddie, no longer two, no longer lost, by the way. We found her. She's great. Um, last year... She comes to Wendy and I, and she says, I want to sing and audition for Allstate. And I said, great. You know how dads do. We're going autopilot. That sounds great. We give them that all, right? Didn't ask how much it was going to cost. Didn't ask how much time it was going to take. I didn't ask the level of commitment. 
These are questions we should learn to ask, dads, right? Well, I didn't realize that it was scheduled in one of those tumultuous seasons of my life. My father was still in the hospital when I had to fly to take her to Tampa. And I was still in a place where I could lose my father. He was in the hospital. It was just very, very tough. But I'd made a commitment, and my daughter had made a commitment. She had practiced for months. She'd gone through the qualifying rounds and been invited to go sing in Tampa. And we had set the money back, made the reservations, gone through all the loopholes and dadgum. There's so many loopholes we had to go through. And I was dedicated to make sure she had that opportunity. And Maddie had been obedient. You know, when your kids go through a lot and you want to see them accomplish something, man, we'll give our last dime to see our kids succeed, won't we? And um, there's got to be a healthy balance to that. But Maddie had never asked for anything like that. And so I made a decision that no matter what I had to sell, no matter what I had to do, we were going to make this happen. So I told mom and my brother in Little Rock goodbye, flew back home, literally was in the car the next morning with Maddie, drove to Tampa. And we get to Tampa, and I didn't realize they only leave like 10-minute increments between these different sessions, and you've got to walk three and four city blocks. So you're down there, and you don't know if it's a marathon or a singing convention. People are running everywhere, just running. Well, I don't run. I Uber. (laughs) I called my brother. said, you still got them Uber credits? He said, yeah. I said, send them my way. And so he sends me all these Uber credits, and we start Ubering, just, I mean, literally pinballing all over downtown Tampa for these different sessions. And finally, there's an opportunity for her to audition in front of the main guy. He is the guy who wrote, produced, and created the music that the whole choir was going to sing this year. And she goes up and she sings, and the guy chooses somebody else. Well, instantly I thought, he must be deaf. You know, that's how we think about our kids, right? I must be deaf. And I went... Uh, and I just told Wendy, I said, she auditioned, she did great. She's made the choir, but she didn't get a solo. And Wendy said, that's all right, man. These are the best 300 singers, you know, in, in Florida and her age group. These are just fantastic singers. In fact, she's there. It's a huge blessing. The next time they all came together as a choir, the composer, the guy that she had auditioned in front of, is walking around leading them through the songs. And he looks over at Maddie and he goes, there's one more solo. And he said, when I was writing this piece eight years ago, he said, it was your voice I heard sing this solo. He said, this is your solo. Come with me. She didn't have to audition. He chose her out of that crowd. And I'm sitting in the back of this room, and I just begin to weep. Now, here's where favor kicks in. Maddie had done everything she could do to prepare. She was obedient. She did everything she could do. But can I tell you, she wouldn't have been where she was if her father wouldn't have made it happen. Now watch this. It wasn't just enough that she was in the room. Her father got her there, but her father whispered her gift to the right person. 
check this out. This is where people mess up about favor. Get this. On this hand, you have obedience. And here you have success. What you have in between is called favor. When you've done everything you can do to be obedient and there's still just something you can't quite make happen, you don't have the contact, you just can't get through this one thing, you can't, that's where favor kicks in. Favor is unmerited. It is unnecessary. It is unexpected. You cannot qualify for it. God gives it because you are his child and he wants to bless you. However, there is a caveat to favor and I'm just gonna give it to you. Are you ready? It's in Psalms chapter 84, verse 11. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I'm going to get really, really real with y'all for about three minutes. I'm talking about super real. Some of y'all may want to send me an email real. Some of you are expecting God to bless sin. God will not bless sin. I would never allow my child to go faster toward their own destruction. If Gabe can't drive my truck and he's trying to, I'll make sure there's no gas in it, right? But if he's doing the right things, I'll make sure there's fuel in him to do the right things, right? He'll drive safely, pray to God. But if he was doing something that was leading to his destruction, why would I ever put my blessing on it? And so many people are out here just wilding out, living like they want to live and shocked they don't have the favor of God in their life. No good thing will he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Say, Pastor, you tell me I got to live perfect? Of course not. No. What I'm telling you is, is that you have to make an intentional approach to do things right. You've got to trust God in everything that you do, and you've got to make the attempt to live according to the word. And if you are living in a place in your life that does not line up with the word of God, it's not beneficial to you. So don't ask God to multiply the efforts of your destruction. However, if you're doing what you know to do is right. If your walk is blameless and you're covered in the grace of God and your life lines up with the word, obedience and success, favor is what fills the gap. You see, I could do everything in my power to get Maddie in, in that room but it took God to get her voice in that man's ear. That's the difference. That's what favor does. Well, how does it line up with this parable? I'm glad you asked. 
God makes this statement. Uh, Jesus, in this parable, he makes a statement that comes basically from God, and he says, he goes, take what is yours and go your way. He goes, uh, I wish to give this last man the same as you. He goes, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He says, is it not lawful for me to do what I want to with my own things? In other words, if I want to bless somebody that's worked for 30 minutes, the same as I've blessed somebody that's served me for 40 years, I'll do it. How about this? How about this? If I just do something because they're my child, I'll do it. You see, when my brother found out what I was doing in downtown Tampa, basically being a road manager for my 13-year-old daughter, man, I was cooking meals. I was, I was all over the place. He said, why on earth would you do that? Why would you go through all that, man? For what? Did she make some money? Was she? I said, no, she didn't make any money. I said, but favor and honor was bestowed on her for her effort. She came back and the mayor and the city council honored her. She was the only girl her age from her school that even made it. She was one of five girls in the whole state of Florida that had a solo at the All-State competition. She was the only one that did not audition for her solo. Why am I telling you that? Number one, I'm a proud dad. But number two... I tell you that because in the same way that she experienced God's favor, you will too. Do what is right. Live your life to, to the best of your ability to be obedient to what God's called you to. Line your life up with the word. Line your life up with the word. And if you do that, it's not on you to be successful. It's on you to be obedient. And God's favor will step in and will crown your effort with success. Amen? Urgency and favor. Stand to your feet. I'll never forget sitting in the back of that room being such a proud father. And when the... When the uh, The guy walked by who had written all the music walked by and he said what he said. I remember just thinking back to all those nights that Maddie was in a room preparing and working hard when nobody else saw. Can I just leave you one last nugget? How you prepare spiritually, God will exalt you publicly. If you prepare big ways spiritually in secret. God will reward you openly. I just believe it. And I see it in the scripture. And I love that he says, is it not mine to do with what I want to? I own everything. Can I not bless people with what I have? It's my desire to bless. Parents, don't we want to bless our children? What would we withhold from our kids? Nothing good. So today, I want to challenge each of you. First, understand that there's an urgency 
to each of us who are believers. There's an urgency to win souls. There's an urgency to live life in such a way that it makes what we do as believers, it makes other people desire our walk. So we have to live in that way. We have to live with that kind of joy, live with that kind of uh, exuberance that people see it in us. And they say, whatever they're having, I'll have. The last thing is that favor. Expect the favor of God. Expect the best of heaven. Make sure you're doing the best you can to line up with the word of God. And then trust him for the rest. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for a time in your word today. Man, what a great time we've had in your house today, Father. Lord, would you do me a favor? Would you just bless your people? Just bless them. Bless their dadgum socks off. Just bless them. And do it because of the blessing that they are. Lord, would you do me another favor? Would you just help us fill that truck today? Help us make a difference for our brothers and sisters down south. Use us to make a difference today. Father, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. That's all about favor. That's because we're your children. You don't want any harm to come to us. So redirect us where we're doing wrong. Redirect us where our lifestyle can bring damage. Bring us back into correct alignment with your word. And then apply the favor it takes for us to succeed where you've placed us. I thank you for that, Lord. Bring, bring us back next week with more of your word, more of your wisdom in our heart, and we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen and amen. We love you, we bless you, and we'll see you next week. For more information about Hope City Community Church, visit www.hopecitycc.com. Until next time.